Glory to God. God is only a good God. And today we're going to be looking at Noah and the flood of Noah. Now, before I get on, I just want to make sure. Do we have sound? Okay, right. <clears throat> okay, so uh, when, we, when we look at the, at the flood of Noah and we look at God, we have had such a massive issue about the goodness of God. One of the biggest questions that people have is, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? And also, what about the flood of Noah? Uh, is God a good God or not? Because how could he wipe out the whole human race? Now, I want to say this. It is a massive accusation for somebody to go and say that God killed all of humanity. Now, I want to say this. Before we even get into any of the scriptures and the Greek and the Hebrew and the context of passages and what actually took place there, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is the final word on every scripture. Uh, in, in this ministry and the way I look at scripture, uh, this is the, the bottom line on scripture interpretation. It has to line up with the manifested word. When any scripture is still taken from the shadow perspective in other words if you look at a shadow and you want to interpret substance from a shadow and something doesn't look right you always go back to the substance to the real thing and find out what is going on you know that these people that use their hands you know and um and, and put a light that shines on the hands and they make like little animals and all those kind of things then you can say from this shadow i'm sure that the substance must be a bird or a dog or a man singing or something like that. But if you go and you look at the substance outside, from, outside of the shadow, you will see it, it is not a dog, but it is hands and a light shining over hands throwing a shadow that might look like a dog, but it's not a dog. In the very same way with Moses and with Elijah, Elisha, and all of the people when we look at those writings we find the substance or the correct interpretation of all those passages in Jesus when he walked the earth died and rose again and who and what he showed forth as a person and through that we can accurately see who God is John uh, said this himself John went about and what he said was that no man has ever seen God, but Jesus has come and declared, or even the Greek there, explained and laid him bare and showed forth who God really is. Jesus himself came and said, everybody that came before me in order to lead the sheep out were thieves and robbers because they climb over the wall, but they don't go through Jesus. They want to have a direct interpretation and a direct explanation of who the Father is outside of Jesus. And that is absolutely erroneous. You cannot have an accurate explanation of who the Father is. I don't care what scripture you use. Even if there is 20 scriptures that says, and God himself murdered people. Um, that would be in the light of a person that does not see clearly, that wrote something about God, that Jesus came and showed forth. And he showed forth who the Father really is. Now, 
you might say, Bad, so are you throwing out the whole Old Testament? I'm saying no. I am not throwing out any of the Old Testament. I'm saying the old accurate explanation and accurate revelation is Jesus. And he was loving and caring and good and didn't murder anybody. Right. Um, to give you just a quick example, the Bible says that God will visit the sins of the fathers upon the children, children the third, until the third and fourth generation. And we can have people arguing about that until, um, until the earth is not here anymore. But when Jesus came to the earth, did he beat up on any kids on account of their great-great-great-grandfather's sin? Did he do that? Now, if he didn't do that, I don't care what you say, but Jesus shows the final word. That is it. Amen. Okay, now we're going to go to Genesis, and we're going to look at Jesus in Genesis. Before we do that, I want to say this. As we have the accurate explanation and revelation of who the Father is, we can now go with this truth and we can go back into Old Testament passages and we can go and see who God is. And that's what we're going to do in Genesis. So I'm going to show to you that I will not throw away an Old Testament passage like Genesis where uh, the Scripture says... Um, that God regretted that he made man and decided to wipe man from the face of the earth. There's a passage that shows this, that says that, just like that. We're going to look at that, but we're going to look at it from the perspective of Jesus. And we're going to see a wonderful message today. Right, Genesis 3 verse 3 says the following. It says, but the fruit, um, I'm just going to read Genesis 3 verse 3, just one passage there. It says, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch, touch it, lest you die. Okay, so what was God saying? God was saying, don't touch of the tree of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because the day you touch it, or eat it, you will surely die. So what he says is, I don't want you to come to a place where you have experiential knowledge of good and evil. And what he was referring to there was what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7. Romans 7, Paul said, I want to do good, I want to have life by the law, but I find the good that I want to do, I cannot do it, but evil is with me. So what he's saying is, don't partake of a belief system that will leave you at a place where you know what's good, but you don't have the power to do it. Rather be at a place where you find your life from me. That is what he was saying. So, what will happen if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You will die. So, just by that, what is the root of all death? Is it God? No, <laughs> it's that tree. So, we need to go and have a look at where will we find Genesis 3.3, 3, where will we find that tree in Genesis 6 when it comes to the flood? We need to go and look and say, God said that if you, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And what God also said in Genesis 3, 22 and 23, he said that um, he will not allow man to continue to live in the state where he finds his life by his own works. He will not allow man to have life, eternal life or eternal existence 
in the, in the midst of the misery wherein man tries to have God's quality of life by his works. What it was actually saying is, we are not going to continue to give man life and allow them to live in this torture, because that would be eternal conscience, conscious torture or torment, if you allow people to continue to live like that. So what he was saying is, we are going to allow man to basically till the ground that he was taken from. In other words, if you want to find life by uh, working the ability of man, which is the dust that he was taken from, if you want to have life that way, we are not going to contradict your design. We're not going to be against who you, that which you want to be. And if that is what you want, and if you come to a place where that is what your heart allows, we will allow you to have that. And that is not from the perspective of, oh, well, if that's what you want, have it, like an angry parent. No, it is from an absolute love and a design a perspective where God honors what he has made. Glory to God. Right, let's go to Genesis 6 verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, and, I have come to and it has come to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, that the daughters were born unto them. That the sons of God, uh, and daughters were born, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So, okay, before the flood, God comes and he says, Man's days shall only be 120 years. That is what he says. And he says here that, and what took place here, the sons of God came and they started to marry the daughters of men. Now, you remember, uh, that God had, uh, Adam and Eve had three sons. They, um, they, they had uh, Seth, and, and which they had two, Cain, uh, Cain and Abel. Is it Yeah, sorry, I've got, con <laughs> now I'm even blushing. I'm sorry, I got the names wrong. So now you guys can laugh at me and just see that I'm just a normal human being. I've got Cain, Abel, and Seth. Now, Cain killed Abel, and then they had Seth. Okay, so, <laughs> and Seth was the, the son, was called the son of God, and Cain was the one that was a murderer, which we would see as a son of the devil. Why? Because the ministration of death was inside him, and he wanted to kill, he wanted to murder. He didn't want the sacrifice that God gave. That is um, what took place there. Now, okay, so, when Seth came, he was seen as a son of God. Now, the children of uh, Cain started to marry the daughters of Seth. And those people, then as they mixed, we found that the people that didn't have the mindset of murder and death and destruction in them, started to mix in with those who had murder and destruction and the ways of the law and the ways of the works of man. And... Uh, 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 the fruit of death inside them. And as they mixed, they, God said that he basically saw that all of mankind became wicked because a mixture between grace and law is death. Mixture is like lukewarm. 
where God says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And that is not to say, well, I hate you. It is to say, I, you are not my word. I cannot declare what you are teaching as my message. So, when we look at Cain and Abel, Cain came and he, he, was, he was born from Adam and Eve, but what he did was born from Satan because Satan was a murderer of man from the beginning. And what does the Bible says about the people that want to kill Jesus? He says, you are of your father the devil, for he was a murderer of man from the beginning. So here Cain comes and he wants to, and he murdered Abel. Adam and Eve had Seth. From Seth was then, he, he didn't murder anybody or anything, you know. He was just, we see him in the light of as a son of God. And then these, these men, these people that were, were seen as the sons of God, they saw the daughters of man and they married them. They married them. And that, in that type and shadow, we start to see what takes place when you mix law with grace. And what did God say? God said that man is now wicked. That does not talk about aliens or people that came and slept with men and Nephilim was born. These are these monsters and all those kind of things. Please, people, that is not what it means. That's not what it talks about. The gospel, all these scriptures eventually point to Jesus. That is what this is all about. Glory to God. Now, okay, Genesis 6. It says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that the daughter, uh, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for, for that they also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and um, twenty years. So, what I want to point out there, he says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. That would strive there means to plea a case, to declare my judgment. And God's judgment was that if you live by your own ability, you will die. And the Spirit of God was all the time going to man and telling them all the time, striving with them, pleading a case with them, saying to them, listen. Listen, this will destroy you. And God was keeping them alive for hundreds of years, pleading with them, showing them for hundreds of years. And then he says, you know, my spirit will not always strive with man. I'm not, I'm not granting them to live eternally in this misery, but still I will give them 120 years wherein my spirit will strive with them, giving them opportunity to believe in me. 120 years of pleading with somebody. Imagine you pleading with your child. After 15 minutes, you become tired. God says, I'll plead day and night through dreams, visions, feelings, emotions. Day and night for 120 years, I will plead with these people. That is what this is about. Now it goes on in Genesis 6, verse 6. It says, um, I hope I've got the right verse here now. I don't have a Bible here, but um, in Genesis it says there that God saw that man's thoughts was evil continuously, non-stop. 
man's thoughts was evil in Genesis 6. It says that man was thinking evil things intentionally, day and night, all the time. And then it says, and God pondered in verse 6, that he made man upon the earth and he considered it. Then God laid it to heart that he made man and said, I will wipe away the man that I've made from the face of the earth, from, um, from man unto beast and from the reptile unto the winged creatures and all of the heaven, for, for I repent that I have made man. That is what he said. So here God comes and he says, I've made man, I've put man upon the earth. And then the Bible says, and God considered, and, and I, unfortunately I didn't put those two passages in here. This is Genesis 6 from verse 4 and 5. And he says, and he saw that man's thoughts and the intents of their hearts and the imagination of, your, of his heart was evil, willfully, continuously, non-stop all the time. So what he was actually saying is, that there was no place in the heart of man for God. No place. And the Spirit of God would, like for 120 years, continue to try and convince people, more than that, for hundreds of years. And they said, we're just going to mix in. There was people that believed some form of good. They said, no, we want to be mixed in with the sons of man, want to be mixed in with, with, with those with those, with those people that think of murderous thoughts and have law mindsets. And then it says, and giants came forth. People of authority, people that had authority. And those who carried the authority in the earth was the wicked. And people that had no place for God whatsoever, not one place. Now why the Bible is specific about that is, remember, God works through the heart. From the heart issues life. So if there's no place in the heart of man for God, it is impossible for God to bring forth life in that person. God cannot do it. God cannot do it. So God would give him life, keep his body alive, but he cannot give him eternal life. Why? Because his heart doesn't have room for God, because it's through the heart that we believe unto righteousness or eternal life. And these people had no place for God whatsoever. Okay, and God pondered that he made man and he considered it. That word consider there in the Greek means to express one's meaning by a sigh. And then it, so God says, says this way, God looked at man that was upon the earth. And as he was looking upon man, um, like this verse says here, and he pondered that he made the man. That word pondered means in his mind he revolved um, his, this, this divinity that he brought forth. So in his mind he was thinking of man all the time, thinking of man, thinking of man, thinking of man. What shall I do? And it says there, and he pondered it. That word pondered there means, and then he came to a conclusion with a sigh. Okay, it's like I'm thinking of man and I'm seeing that no one's heart, there is no one that looks me in the eye and see my heart and have nothing. There's no one. And I'm starting to see their misery and I'm starting to see their pain and I'm starting to see the 
torture they're going through and I'm starting to see how they're murdering one another and I'm, see, I'm starting to see how iniquity just continues to flow in the earth and I'm starting to see how they're tortured by this belief and I'm starting to see how they have pain and he came to a conclusion with a sigh. Not a happy conclusion, he came to a conclusion with a sigh and that is that word there and he pondered it deeply, that pondered deeply is the, uh, the word di- dineo, which means to express one's meaning by a sigh. And this was the meaning that he expressed. He says, I will wipe away the man whom I have made. Now it's like, you see there, God says he's going to wipe away the man that he has made. But how is he going to wipe away the man? How is he going to wipe away? That's very important. That word wipe away there means to be um, apathetic. That means to have no involvement. Uh, In the English it also means showing or feeling no interest. So what he's saying is, is that I am, I've pondered this, I see where man wants to go, I see how man lives, he doesn't want my way, he doesn't want who I am, and he is a free will agent, and my passion is that they will have life, not that they will have misery, not that they will have torture, not that they will have pain, not that they will that they will live in this absolute chaos and destruction. I want them to have life. And I've thought about this, and I've thought about this for hundreds of years. And I've come to the conclusion that I will wipe them away from the face of the earth. And this is how I will wipe them away. I will basically allow them to have their way. I am not going to show any interest. Now, you just remember, God did that with a sigh. That doesn't mean that he says, well, I am not interested in them anymore. What he was saying is, I'm not going to involve myself in them anymore. I, I, I was putting on the brake. I was pleading with them all the time. And now it's at a point where I find that I was pleading with them in the hope that someone can in his heart have place for me because they are bringing destruction on themselves and I want to save them from that destruction and as they are bringing destruction on themselves and I want to save them from the destruction I am in such a hope that someone will hear me that I can build an ark that they can be inside that ark you know destruction was coming upon the face of the earth and God was hoping that he could build this is just my view of this a hundred arks and find a hundred people that would be willing to build arcs. And as their, their own, and as destruction came from the earth, that he could put all of mankind in there, and as the earth would be destroyed, that he would save all of people. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. You say, Bertie, where do you get that? We're going to just read that. That's clearly, explicitly written in the next passages. Okay, so let us just recap, and we're going to go to the next. What I want to say in the beginning, in the first part of this message, is the following. God made man and said to man, don't come to a place where you try to find life by your own works because you cannot maintain life by your works, neither can you produce life, you will surely die. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing that I want to say is that man then partook of that and then all death comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not God. Then there were people on the earth, people that were still 
walking in a certain form of righteousness called the sons of God. That some of the descendants of Adam and Eve. And the descendants of Cain, the people who had a murderous heart, what happened? These people started to mix in. And as this mixture started to take place, and since there was evil in the presence of some form of a good here, remember this is Titan shadows of the new, and this mixture came in, and man's heart, everybody's heart became corrupted, decay started to come to the earth. We need to realize, and let me just quickly throw this in, that man had dominion over the earth. That means, if man had life, then the earth would live. If man has death, then the earth would be destroyed. So we know that there was a firmament, and there was waters above the earth, and waters inside the earth, and there was waters in the deep, and all those kind of things, waters above the earth, waters beneath the earth, man was living here. And if these things would come into an imbalance, if, if evil would be in man, and destruction be in the heart of man, and man, and what man has in him has got an effect on the earth, then the earth is going to come into an imbalance and the earth is going to be destroyed. The earth is, things are not going to go well anymore. We're going to find all sorts of outbursts of things, you know, imbalances take place. It's like if you've got a beautiful nature and you put man there and the people that live there is wicked, they just destroy all the forests, they destroy all the animals, they destroy everything and you find that that nature there is being destroyed. There's no love for the earth. And that earth, it doesn't work. But when you find people living in a place, and you find the love of God, and the kindness of God, and the goodness of God, you see signs of that life even in the earth. Why? Because it is a type and a shadow of the dominion that belongs to Jesus, and how he will recreate everything. And make the earth new, our bodies new, everything new, because of the authority he has. So here these people come, and because of Adam that brought decay into the earth, and he's working, that he's now toiling with this, with this dust he was taken from, in the hope that he can now bring forth righteousness in all the earth, and life into all the earth, and manifest and duplicate and form life everywhere, he finds that this, these humans, they cannot maintain it. And as these people became completely wicked in their hearts, what's going to happen? The earth is going to implode. The earth is going to self-destruct. And as this earth destructs, God wants to save man from this destruction. He wants to save all the humans. But he doesn't find humans that will believe him, that there's a destruction coming, and he wants to save them, and all people's hearts are wicked. But amongst all these people, there was one guy, Noah. And Noah found grace in the eyes of God. What that means is the following. It doesn't mean God decided to be gracious towards Noah. That's not what's written there. God spoke to all people. His spirit spoke to all people. But Noah, when God's spirit spoke to him, looked into the eyes of God. And when he looked into the eyes of God, he saw, the, he saw grace in the sight of God. He saw grace in the eyes of God. And that word grace, go and do yourself a favor, go and study out in the Hebrew. One of the root meanings where this word grace comes from means to pitch a tent, to abode with, to live with. So Noah saw that God wanted to live with him. God wants to provide for him. And then the Bible says, after that passage, that Noah was a righteous man in his generation. 
So what does that mean? The Spirit of God came and He was speaking to people for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, hundreds of years, trying to let people see that God wants to live with man and if God lives with man and dwells with man, then God will impact the hearts of people and bring forth righteousness in the earth and through that righteousness in the earth, man will be preserved and the earth will be preserved. That's what they tried to show, what it tried to show and tried to do. But man, they, when they looked into the eyes of God, they, they, saw, they just saw what, what the devil wanted them to see. They saw, no, 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 I don't want that God. I want to be a man on my own. The Bible says man's heart was evil and dwelt and thought evil thoughts. Evil means full of labor, full of annoyance, full of self-righteous, full of I can do it and not seeing, allowing God to come and live with them and let God do it. That's what took place. That's literally what took place. And then God came and he sighed and he said, I'm going to destroy man. What that means is, I am not going to be able to, to save man. And as the earth is going to collapse and as the, a massive flood is going to come because things are out of balance here, I will not be able to save these people. I'm going to see them destroyed. Say badly, but that's not what's written there. Let's read in Genesis 6, from Genesis 6 verse 9. It says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Can you see there, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He looked into the eyes of God and he said, God is a one man that wants to walk with me. And Noah walked with God. And as he walked with God, God brought forth righteousness in his life. It says, And Noah begat three sons, um, Shem, Ham, and Japhet, and the earth also was corrupt. That would corrupt mean destroyed or battered. Battered. The Hebrew name means battered. The, the, the earth was battered before God, and the earth was filled with violence. That word violence means cruelty, unjust gain, or damaged. So what happens? God walked with Noah. And these people were continuing, continuing, continuing. But God saw one man that can believe, believe him. And he walked with him. And he said to Noah, Noah, well, and as he walked with Noah, what did he see? Then God saw that this earth is battered. This earth is about to implode. This earth is about to bring forth a flood that's going to destroy these people. And God looked upon the earth and behold, and he said again, the next verse, he repeats himself. And behold, it was corrupt. It was battered. It's being damaged. And all flesh had corrupted or destroyed his way upon the earth. So he says, I've got a way. My way is to bring life here. And I want to bring life. I want to have life on the earth. I want them to be protected. I want all those things. That is my way. But these people, they destroyed his way. They didn't want his way. They wanted their own way. That's what they wanted. And he saw how damaged the earth was. He saw how this perfect balance of things was being, uh, uh, things were getting out of balance. And how everything was now getting to a place where it's going to implode, where it's going to be destroyed. And this is what he said. And God said unto Noah. Now this is all explaining the sigh. He says, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth 
is filled with violence or the earth is damaged through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth so what he said to Noah is listen what he basically came and said to Noah Noah these people the people whom I love the people with whom my spirit was talking for hundreds of years and I want to talk to you about them you my only friend here you are my resting place you the one that I can fellowship with Noah and I want to talk to you about it and, and God came and like Noah I've got a bad thing that's going to happen these people I will not be able to save them. I'm going to have, I'm going to have them destroyed. They're going to be destroyed. And he explains everything. He says these people through their wicked ways has brought an imbalance to this earth. The, the earth was damaged. The habitable world is becoming inhabitable because of them, because of their doing. And I have talked to their hearts and no one found grace in my eyes. No one came and saw into my eye, looked into my eyes and found that, he, that I want to live with them. I want to be with them. No, it's just you. It's just you. All these people, I'm going to, this earth is going to be destroyed. Why? Because of their wickedness. Because man has got dominion on the earth and the way they live is just destroying the whole place. And I've been speaking to them and they're not the one, they don't want to hear. And I've pondered and I've got a deep sigh inside me. And I've got this, this thing where I have realized that they don't want to hear and I have to, have to not be involved anymore. God, which was let God dwell with you. Don't try and do your own thing. Believe that God can bring forth life. No. We shall bring forth life by ourselves. And while he was building the ark, God preached, trying to save some of them, preaching to those who were in bondage all the time, and they didn't want to hear. And God said, these people shall be destroyed. Why? Because they don't want to hear. Is God killing them? Is God himself killing them? He's, no. God is saying, I'm going to have them destroyed. I'm going to have them being destroyed with the earth. Why will God have them being destroyed with the earth? Because they will not allow any form of life to come into them to bring forth life. That is why. And when we see that, and we bring it to the New Testament, we can clearly see Jesus, and when he cried with Jerusalem, and there was, we see a type and a shadow of this again in 70 AD, you know, when God was in Christ pleading with Jerusalem, his people, and he said to them, listen, there's a destruction coming to this, to this uh, Jerusalem, to this city, and I want you to hear me, believe in me, if you believe in me and allow the goodness to come into your heart, you will not be part of this destruction. You know, when the destruction of Jerusalem came, the Christians moved before the time because they hurt the Holy Spirit and they were taken out of the way. But all those thousands upon thousands of Jews that didn't want to accept Christ, what happened to them? God basically said, I'm going to have them destroyed. I'm going to see them being destroyed. 
Jesus came, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like a hen gathers her chicks. I wanted to gather you, but you didn't want to. And now you are going to be destroyed. How? By me saying, I'm not going to be involved anymore in your life. How? By saying to you, you don't want me. There's not one fiber of your being that wants me. So what can I do? There is no place for me. You, you, you cannot, you're not allowing any form of power to bring forth any shape of life in you and you're going to be destroyed. That is it. It was not God coming to destroy those people. It was God told people, this is my judgment. My judgment is that by your own power and by yourself you shall not live, you will die. If you want to live by yourself, there's something coming called death, called destruction. And you built this temple, you built Jerusalem, you built all these things. I come, I walk physically amongst you. And as I physically walk amongst you, I do miracles in your midst. You nail me to a cross. I say nothing. I die. I physically get raised from the dead. I show forth miracles. I appear to 500 people after, I, after you've murdered me. And still in your heart, there's no place found for me. And all I want to do is save you. And they, there was no place. So what happened to those who didn't believe that? They were destroyed with what? With that city. With that destruction that was coming from Rome. Now, in the very same way it was with Noah. We don't find God coming out of the clouds and murdering Jerusalem. There are some people who teach that. It's just absolute nonsense. We'd, the same Jesus that was on the earth that didn't murder anybody is the same Jesus that will return and he has not yet returned. Let me tell you that. He, he will return. He has not yet returned. That same Jesus that's loving and kind and good will come and bring forth salvation to all those. And so will it be in the last days as in the days of Noah. There will be people that find no place in their heart for God. And God would say, I will have them destroyed, not from the perspective of I am killing them, but from the perspective of I cannot save them. Not because of God's weakness, but because of, uh, because, not that God is weak to save. God is powerful to save, but the system through which it takes place is the persuasion of man and man wanting it. That is all. You know, Rabbi Zechariah said something that's so powerful. Somebody came to him and said to him, why, why couldn't God stop somebody from being shot? You know, wh why couldn't God stop that? Then Rabbi said to him, you know, you don't know what you're asking for. Because if you want God to intervene there and supernaturally take that hand out of the way, out of every person that must ever be shot, then the next question would be, why didn't God stop that person, you know, when he was cycling from falling? And then the next thing you would say, why doesn't God stop you from spilling tea on your lap? And the next thing that you would come, have to come and admit is that you are wanting an entity that is not like God that's got a freedom of choice, the way that can actually have friendship with God. You know, 
I don't find that uh, 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 if I am in the image of God and I look at an animal that is not in the image of God, I find that my dog can show some form of friendship, but it is not even close by, near anybody or anything close like what I've got with my wife and my kids. So we need to realize simply that um, uh, uh, if you want to say, well, God, well, God shall just save all of humanity if they want it or not. You're asking for an entity. You're asking for to be a being that is not like God. That's what you're asking for. The only way the Father and the Son can communicate is through the heart, through the belief, through the Spirit. That's the only way. The, the only way wherein you can find God bringing life to you is through the hearts of people. So in the flood of Noah... Although it was written and God said, I will destroy. I think what, what, what God was saying there is, and this is the way he said he will destroy mankind, was I'm not going to be involved anymore. I'm not going to force them to have my way. If that is their way, I've plead for hundreds of years. I've even prolonged their life for, that they lived for hundreds of years and it's even to the point where I will lower their life expectancy to 120 years. So I will still plea another 120 years with these people. And I see what they want. So what can I do? Let them be. That's what the Bible also says. We see the wrath of God revealed in, in, in Romans 1 that God gave people over to their lusts. It is not that God says, well, you know, I'm not willing to save you. It's like God coming and saying, I've pondered about this, you know, I've, I've thought about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy man from the face of the earth and that, that word destroy. And let me read it to you again. It is having no involvement. It means showing or feeling no interest. It, and we know in the context it's not that God wasn't feeling interest. It was that he had, he was sighing, he was saying, man. I've created man and, and this is my sigh, Noah. He went to his friend Noah and he sighed in his presence and he kind of complained and he said, I've got a very difficult thing to do. These people whom I love, Noah, I've pleaded with them for hundreds of years and I see this is what, they've got no room for me. They've got no room in their heart for me and if I could only have a mustard seed place in them, I could save them. There'll be one that will hear and say, hey, there's a flood coming. Not God sends a flood to destroy. The scripture's context is, these people messed up the earth. And because they messed up the earth, a flood was on its way. That I'm not so sure. Let's read it again. The earth also was battered, the Greek says. This is Genesis 6, 11. The earth was battered before God and the earth was filled with damage. That is the word violence there. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was battered for all flesh has battered. That word there also means destroyed. That the, the earth was corrupted or battered. They destroyed his way upon the earth. 
So what happened is God's way was life. And they, it, it's just the way. I mean, you cannot destroy God's way. Jesus is the way. You cannot destroy Jesus. But you can destroy that way on the earth. What that means is you don't want his way. You want your own way. So God saw the earth was becoming tired. This massive earth with the firmament and the waters on the deep. The Bible says the deep burst open. It was like volcanic eruptions came with water that gushed from the depths. And a flood came to the earth and started to destroy it. God saw that coming. Why was it coming? Because man, mankind through wickedness battered the earth. And God wasn't even saying, well, you're destroying the earth I'm giving you. He was saying, listen, I see you destroying the earth. I see your wickedness is destroying the earth. Please, please, I want to save you from this. And they didn't want to. And he said, you know what? I'm going to destroy man with the earth. I'm going to allow man to die with the earth. Why? Because there is no one that can find grace in God's eyes when they look into God's eyes. And I want to say to you, in the end it's going to be the same. In the end it's going to be the same. That's why we preach this gospel. And some of us will say, yeah, Beth, you know, but what about those that are in, in the hard Muslims born somewhere, never heard the gospel? Hey, don't come with that kind of rubbish, man. Let me tell you the truth. Do you think the Almighty God, whose spirit toils with man, is not toiling with people in the heart of Islam? We always have this thing. What about somebody in the middle of the Africa bush that never heard the gospel? Do you think that the Almighty God, who we see the type and the shadow here in Noah, and Noah is a type and a shadow of what will be in the end, do you think that the Spirit of God that loves man, that falls in love with man, that sees every person as beautiful on the earth, and he sees the destruction that will come through, not through God, God is not going to kill anybody, but that the destruction that there will be in not believing or relying upon God for life will bring, do you think he is not... Every moment of every day through dreams and visions and passions and feelings and emotions, the thoughts coming deeper than what any preacher can ever, ever imagine to touch someone's heart. Don't you think that God's busy speaking to every Muslim all the time, every day? Do you think that the indoctrination of Islam is stronger than the feeling the Holy Spirit can bring to a person's heart? Come on. Our God is not a weakling. Now God is a powerful God that loves people. And we cannot sit in the accusation of God murdered everybody in the flood of Noah. We cannot see that. We cannot. And the very same context was, was with Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, I'm going to destroy this place. This place is going to be destroyed. This place is going to be destroyed. Fire is going to fall from heaven. That is what's going to take place. And, and he says, and, and um, what happened? If there was only one righteous person, the place would have been saved. But there was not one. <laughs> and it was destroyed. 
And now what is seen as God came and destroyed the people. No, we can clearly see with Jesus when he walked, uh, uh, with, 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 um, walked on the earth, he never destroyed anybody. He just warned them against what would destroy them. They are corrupting the earth. They are corrupting the place they live through their unbelief. But God says, if you can look in my eyes and see that I want to live with you, and you can see that I'm not a sin-conscious God. I'm not a works-conscious God. I'm a God that loves man, that wants to dwell with man, that want to live with man. I, I, I want to come and indwell you with my being, and I want to bring forth righteousness in you, and I want to save you from the wickedness of the flesh, and I want to come and make your body immortal and grant you eternal life, and so creation waits for this glorification of you, though that, so that through you and by this glorification of you, they will be glorified into the very same, same glory as what you will be glorified with in the return of Jesus Christ. And there's some people that, I just think it's blasphemy, that comes and preaches that Jesus Christ came in 70 AD and he just came and, like in the flood of Noah, <laughs> came and killed people, murdered them. No, that was the consequences of them destroying the earth that they were on. And that's all types and shadows. I want to tell you, even the 70 AD was just a type and a shadow. It is not the fulfillment. It's just a type and a shadow. E70 AD, does it have any meaning? Yes, it's got great power in the form of types and shadows, signs and wonders. That's all it is. It is not the real deal. It is just a type and a shadow. And it was prophesied that those people will be, had to be run away and be protected. And Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like a hen, Gazix, I want to gather you, but you didn't want to. So, man, I, I hope you hear my heart in all of this. I'm not here to try and preach a nice message. I'm here to bring the truth so that people can be set free and just to see God off the hook. Man. He, God is not the murderer of the people in the days of Noah. God is not the murderer. He, is, he was the one, the spirit that preached through Jesus Peter said, was the same spirit that preached in the days of Noah to those spirits or those people that were in bondage. But they never wanted to hear. They, they looked into the eyes of God and they couldn't see grace. They couldn't see a God that wants to dwell with them. I want to tell you, our God is speaking to every Muslim, every man in the Africa bush and everything, a message all the time, all the time. And he's keeping people alive. He's, he's, he's giving them grace. He's, he's, he's keeping them alive. And his spirit is striving with people all the time in the depths of their hearts to believe upon him for life. And you will not know who, where, in what bush, in wherever has called upon God for life. You will not know. So let us not throw that whole judgment thing out of, yeah, what about this one? What about that one? Just fall into universalism and fall into all these kind of things. Um, you know, the, the, the whole thing about 70 AD and that is a fulfillment of everything and all of that. Let us see God not as a murderer. People straight out. The problem that I have with the, the whole teaching about 70 AD and all prophecy fulfilled there and that was the end and salvation is defined by that. 
Listen, man, salvation is not defined inside the shallow parameters of not being in a city somewhere. We're saved from physical death, wherein we will be immortal. That is what it is. God is not playing games with cities and those kind of things. He's about humanity. He wants man to believe upon him, to become immortal and have eternal life. That is what this is all about. And there is a strong cry in the earth wherein the Spirit is pleading with people. And he wants them to believe, not because God is the destroyer, but because an unbelief in this truth destroys. And God knows that this world cannot exist forever inside that. So he will bring forth his world, which is his glorification. And those who don't believe in this will die. That is what it is. It is not God is not the killer. The wages of sin is death. Not the consequence of meeting with God. So I end off, and this is just a small summary of the last part of what I've said here. It says here, even when it says, and God says, it repented me that I made man. It basically says, I have too much pain in my heart when I think of seeing how man is suffering. He is suffering. God looked at the earth. And he looked at how man was suffering. And he looked at how man was bringing destruction upon himself. And he wanted to redeem man from man's own destruction. And then man didn't hear. And he, God came with, a, with, with uh, um, in Afrikaans we say, Moodaloos. God came with a sigh, a deep sigh. And he sat with his friend Noah and he said, I'm going to have all people destroyed with the earth because the earth is on a destruction path and I see it and it's 120 years before it's going to happen but these people are all going to be destroyed and I'm going to, I'm going to see them all die. I've come to listen to what he says here. He says, listen to the words that's used here. And God said unto Noah, verse 13, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Okay, so what is he saying? The earth is filled. That word violence there means, means destruction. The earth is damaged and battered. And I've now come through this earth that cannot, will not be able to sustain life in the form it was because of the imbalances in this physical earth. And these people that's not going to hear, I've come to see the destruction of all flesh. And you find God humbly coming, pouring out his heart to the only one that saw God as one that wanted a home, somebody to fellowship with. That's the context wherein we need to see this. And then he says, so I am going to give them over and not be involved anymore and so I'm destroying all flesh. You know, I, I'm seeing it like a man sitting there astonished about what's taking place in front of him. That's how we need to look at God, people. Because any other way is going to rob you from confidence before God. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed this and that it just got you thinking a bit about the goodness of God. God is not a murderer. The wage of sin is death, always. And the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Let me just pray for you. Father, I want to thank you so much that you are a loving God, that you are a caring God. I want to thank you that you just love us. And I want to just say, and I want everybody of you that's watching with me today, as, let's look, in, look, look into the eyes of God the Father and Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Look into their eyes. And if you can see a God, if you can find grace in those eyes, if you can find a man or a being that wants to pitch his tent with you, say to him, I see that. And I'm walking in the revelation of that. And only that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You can come and live with me. Say that to God. Say, Lord, I see that the heaven and the earth, you've made it, it's yours. But you wanted a home, a place where you can come home to with family. And you can come and live in my heart. Come and live with me. And bring forth your righteousness in my life and your eternal life in my life. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much for watching. And uh, you know, I'm just going to keep in, you know the, the thing about the sons of Adam and Eve. I'm just keeping it in this message. You can all see that we're just normal people. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> amen. There's those of you that slot in late, you'll have to watch the beginning. So if you're watching this on Facebook, um, it will be uploaded on YouTube in about two hours from now. And then you'll be able to share it. And uh, um, I'm going to just make sure we're going to... Uh, I'm just writing these companies again and asking them what's going on. They must fix it on why that stream doesn't go on YouTube. And if it never goes out on YouTube, well, then we just broadcast the way we do it now. And if it can never be live broadcasted, then we will just preach it and upload it later. That's the way we're going to do it. But our peace is always in Jesus and what he has given us. Glory to God. I want to thank you so much for watching. And I also, just as, I, as it comes to my mind, I want to thank everybody that just faithfully shares the messages. And those of you that give towards this ministry so generously and also on a regular basis, I want to just, from the depth of my heart, thank you. And uh, that you allow me to preach this gospel with a boldness. And, uh, you know, those of you that have supported this ministry, even through all the radical things I've said, thank you so much for just who you are. Thank you for sharing these messages with your friends. God bless you.